this week on The Word of the Lord Endorse Forever, we continue on in James with a dead faith, faith in works, taming the tongue, a restless evil, and wisdom from above. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Public Radio Choir with the hymn, When in the Hour of Deepest Need. In the coming Sunday's Gospel reading, we see a woman whose need is deep, and she goes right where she should, to Jesus himself. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this President's Day, Monday afternoon, February the 19th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Lent with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. In Hour 2, we'll continue our Kids Have Questions series, talking with Pastor Jonathan Connor about heaven, hell, reading the Bible, and church attendance. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio, called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. What is the coming Sunday all about? It's one of my favorite Sundays. Reminiscery has about it this idea that we need to hold tight to God's Word. Remember the first Sunday in Lent introduced us to this truth that we have an enemy out there who likes to parade around as a friend. But this Sunday introduces us to the profound truth that our dearest friend, sometimes can come across to us as though he is our enemy, that God himself can seem to be against us. And what do you do when God seems to be against you? The answer is you hold tight to his word and promises and you don't go by what you feel. You hold tight to him. So when the LCMS put together the summary for the readings for today, for this Sunday, listen to this. They did a beautiful job. Jacob wrestled with God. He would not let him go until he received a blessing from him. So it was with the Canaanite woman. Though Jesus seemed to ignore and reject her, she continued to call upon his name and look to him for help. Even when the Lord called her a little dog, she held on to him in faith and would not let him wriggle out of his words. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This Gentile woman shows herself to be a true Israelite who struggles with God and man in Christ and prevails. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. This is the sanctifying will of God, from the epistle reading, 1 Thessalonians 4, to test your faith in order that it may be refined and strengthened. For tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope in Christ does not disappoint. The alternate epistle reading, 
from Romans 5. So that gives you a beautiful picture of the day in the boot camp that Lent is for the newbie Christians. And as a review for more mature Christians, the message of this Sunday is when God seems to be giving you the cold shoulder, don't give up. Hold tight to him. We start with the intro from which the Sunday derives its name. Remember your mercy, O Lord, from Psalm 25. Yeah, reminiscere or reminiscere is the, the, the name of the Sunday. And you can almost hear in that first word, a reminisce, the word that we have, you know, for people who are sitting back and remembering. So here with the antiphon for this day, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. You know, this plea that God would remember to be nice, that he would remember his kindness, that he would remember his mercy, that he would have compassion on his people who are suffering. The psalm then goes on from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. So all of the the, the intro, it is drawn from various pieces of Psalm 25. And at the heart of it is this constant plea, remember Remember, don't remember my sins, but remember me, O Lord, for the sake of your goodness. Remember, O Lord, and don't count my sin against me. It's a beautiful intro for the day. What does the collect have to say? Well, the collect for the day reads, O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The traditional collect is just only slightly different. O God, who seest that of ourselves we have no strength, keep us both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended against all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. I kind of like that outwardly and inwardly of the traditional colic that reminds us that the assault on us is coming in two directions. We can be assaulted in our bodies, but there is another kind of assault that also happens to the human being, and it is an assault on the soul that takes place from evil thoughts where Satan injects these thoughts into us. And from the readings that we're going to hit on today, you're going to see the big thought that runs behind this is, well, obviously he doesn't love you very much, does he? I mean, if he loved you, why would he leave you in this kind of a situation? Why would he treat you like this? Why would he ignore your plea for mercy? Why would he leave you on your own? And in that kind of a, a, of a plea, the colic just it reaches right down into both the first reading and the gospel reading and teaches us how we should pray in these moments. Oh God, please keep us from being assaulted by these evil thoughts that can come and destroy our souls, as well as from the the things that may happen externally, the outward things that may attack our bodies. I like that it is body and soul, as you've just said here, because they always belong together. To separate one from the other is to die, 
But we live in a culture nowadays that there is an assault on the body, mm-hmm. on the very idea of a created body. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that, that your body expresses the truth of God is under assault, which is just so, I mean, if you sort of step back and look at this, this is just so crazy. It's unbelievable that, 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 that the truth that's written in your body, that we would dare to deny that truth. And yet, yes, we are at a time when bodies are under assault and we are at a time where also souls are very much under assault. I mean, by the time they had basically written off the soul as not a real thing, there wasn't much left to defend the body anyway. Um, But the biblical picture of you being a body and a soul together, a unity, you know, those are not pieces of you. That's the description of the whole of you that God has put together. And recognizing Satan goes after the whole thing. He, he's not content with aiming his attacks merely at one or the other. He comes at you both outwardly and inwardly, constantly. And when we realize that, we realize how vital it is for us to live in prayer, begging God for his mercy, asking him to remember mercy and kindness in his dealing with us. The Old Testament reading, what do we find there in Genesis 32, beginning at verse 22? I love this. This is one of the greatest Old Testament readings of all time. So verse 32, uh, or 22 rather, the same night he, that is Jacob, rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, The people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. What an incredible passage. So mysterious, right? Jacob, remember, he is scared because he's fled from Laban. He's just sort of put out that fire behind him just very recently where, you know, Laban had chased after him and they finally made peace and, they, you know, the, 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 they made a covenant that they wouldn't cross over towards each other. J- Laban would not come to ever persecute Jacob. 
but also Laban warned Jacob that he better be taking good care of his daughters and, and the children, his grandchildren. So he's headed home now, and he knows who's coming to meet him, Esau. Remember, the last time Esau and Jacob were together, Esau was trying to kill Jacob, right? He had planned, because Jacob had taken the birthright under you know the deception of Isaac with the complicity of, of, of Rebekah, the, the, the intent was to actually uh, have him supplant his brother. And that's something which God had revealed to Rebecca when the boys were, were in her womb, that the younger one was going to end up being the one who would be the, the chief one, that the older would serve the younger. That's the way it was going to be with these two. And yet, all that Jacob knows is he's coming back into Esau's territory, and his brother, when he left, was ready to kill him. So he's scared. He's scared. He sends everybody else over across the—they ford the Jabbok River, and there he sits, and he he struggles in the middle of the night with this mysterious stranger who appears to him and who literally wrestles. I mean, there is a wrestling match that goes on all night long. And what's the goal of the wrestling match? Who's going to bless whom? Right, and and, and, and and Jacob says to him, I'm not, "I'm not letting you go. You're not getting away from me until you bless me." And the blessing comes by the change of Jacob's name. Jacob, the supplanter or the deceiver, is now named Israel, the man who strives with God and man and wins. The guy who wins the victory over God, because God allows Himself to be wrestled down and and not be let go of until he gives his great blessing to Jacob. And and Jacob noticed out of this close communion with God that he has in this strange wrestling match, he, he walks out for the rest of his life marked by what he's experienced there. The wrestling match leaves him a cripple in a way. He's limping. He's limping on the one side because of where God touched his, his, his hip. Now, I wanted to share the words of Johann Gerhardt on this passage because they're just golden. He writes, in Genesis 32 is recorded about the patriarch Jacob that he, as his brother Esau came toward him with 400 men, was not just only frightened because of that, but also a man had wrestled with him all night till dawn. This man was the son of God who at that time fought with Jacob in the form of a man for the text immediately follows up with the statement that Jacob struggled with God and a man and overcame him. Also, Jacob says of him, I've seen the face of God and my soul is healed. Oftentimes, Christ, our best friend, hides his blessed, kindly disposed face from us and he presents himself against us as a stranger. We have to engage in a wrestling match. According to the usage of the word in the reference text, which means to wrestle and fight to the point that it stirs up a thick cloud of dust, it actually proves to be very difficult to engage in such a spiritual struggle. However, in the same way that the patriarch Jacob became victorious there, namely through faith and through prayer as a fruit of faith, so also our faith is our victory. It not only overcomes the world and the prince of the world, but it also overcomes Christ himself. 1 John 5, 4. Jacob himself testifies that he became victorious by faith, by the fact that he says to the Son of God, a heartfelt, confident trust, I won't let you go until you bless me. Finally, 
Jacob received a new name on account of such a victory, obtained a blessing and a joy for his soul, and the sun rose on him. So also, anyone who overcomes in this spiritual battle receives a new name, Revelation 2.17. He obtains the heavenly blessing and the inward peace of heart, and indeed, the true morning star of the knowledge of God dawns for him, just as it is written in Psalm 97.11, the light shall always dawn upon the righteous and joy upon the godly hearts. Isn't that beautiful? What I just quoted there is how Johann Gerhardt begins his sermon for this Sunday. He alludes to this Old Testament reading as the perfect type of the gospel that he's going to unpack. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We are looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. The second Sunday in Lent, we'll get into the psalm appointed for this coming Sunday, 121 next. Listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. This month marks the 50th anniversary of the walkout of faculty and staff from the Concordia Seminary St. Louis campus in 1974. If you've ever wondered about Seminex or the walkout and what they were all about, now's your chance to learn more. Pick up the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. You can purchase that at CPH. Visit cph.org witness or learn more at our website, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Prayer, Meditation, The Assaults of Satan, You're Listening to Issues Etc. Looking for a place in the northern metro of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul where you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ every Sunday? Join us at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Spring Lake Park, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. We're located just north of Unity Hospital and south of the North Town Mall, east of University and west of Central. Our website, www.ppslp.org. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning with Pastor Will Whedon. He's host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, you recently started a study on the book of James. Someone might ask, why would a Lutheran podcast study a book that Martin Luther himself called an epistle of straw? 
Yeah, you know, I think of that line, an epistle of straw, and I think of a line from a great hymn, and straw like gold shall shine. Luther, when he was devaluing the book of James by saying it was an epistle of straw, was comparing it to the clear presentation of the gospel, which you have in books like Romans or Galatians. And in that sense, yeah, I mean, James doesn't quite shine the same way. But he certainly also retained the book in his Bible. There was no question that Lutherans have always read from James as the word of the Lord. And there's also no question that Luther, in many other places, praised the book of James and quotes it himself over and over again in many sermons. So I think it's a, a misnomer to think that Luther, by saying that the book as compared to Romans or Galatians doesn't shine the same way, that he's devaluing the book as not being important. That is simply not true. It is an apostolic epistle, and the Lutheran church, as opposed to Luther himself, has always received it as a word of God. It's a beautiful gift, and we we submit ourselves to what God, the Holy Spirit, has inspired James to write there, and we grow from it. We see that this epistle of straw does indeed shine like gold because it, too, bears witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can listen to Pastor Whedon's study on the book of James at thewordendures.org, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Apple Home Pod, the LPR mobile app, or a podcast provider. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The psalm for this coming Sunday, Psalm 121. Which is a favorite of many people. My, my friend Bill Ogden is a police officer. He always said it was one of his favorites. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's the antiphon, so that's repeated at the end of the psalm. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So when it says at the beginning, I lift up my eyes to the hills, remember that that's the hills were the places where the high places were, where the people had their false worship. And so he's saying, I look up there and I'm going, is that where my help's coming from? No, that is not where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord himself who made the heavens and the earth. And he's the one who actually guards and keeps Israel, and he never gets tired and falls asleep on the job. He is always preserving and guarding his people. And the idea of the sun striking you or the moon, remember that the ancient cultures around Israel worship both sun and moon. And the psalmist is saying, <laughs> there are witnesses in the sky there. They have no power over your life like that. The Lord himself is the one who keeps your life. You don't have to worry about the sun or the moon striking you down. The Lord's the one who's going to guard you from every evil, and he will preserve your going in and your coming out from this time forth and forevermore. Those words, Todd, are used in the liturgy of baptism, where when we make the move to the font, that's what's spoken, so that all of life becomes a coming into baptism and a going out from baptism, and that the Lord preserves our life here as his baptized children forevermore. It's a beautiful psalm for the day. The gradual, though, maybe hits more at the theme that we've considered from the opening of the intro. Psalm 25, verses 17 and 18. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. 
So when the troubles of your heart are enlarged, that's a way of saying, because I'm feeling like you're being against me here, God, like you're not on my side. So who can I turn to? There is no one besides you. I turn to you and beg you, please deliver me from this distress. Please show me that you actually are the God who is for me. Bless me and I will let you go. Consider my affliction and my trouble. Wipe out all my sins. Beautiful, beautiful gradual for the day. We have a choice on the epistle reading of 1 Thessalonians 4, first seven verses, or Romans 5, the first five verses. Yeah, and 1 Thessalonians 4 is the traditional reading for the day. And remembering that this is, again, boot camp for uh, newbies on what it is to be a Christian, this epistle is very important in stressing to us that to be a Christian is to be sanctified in our lives and separated from the manner of life which the Gentiles have engaged in. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 7, Finally then, brothers, We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, as opposed to pleasing yourself, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Big point there. The Christian life is a life of increasing sanctification, that we seek to do it more and more. Verse 2, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Probably the way to hear that is, this is the will of God who is your sanctification. And then he tells you what this means. First, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And secondly, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, who simply say, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. And verse 6, that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. And then this big stress at the end, God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And so the call for the Christian to engage in sanctification in their lives, that they, by the power of the Spirit, are going to put to death the impulses of the flesh that would have them have their bodies sort of be autonomous and not under the controlling power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And instead, they would submit themselves wholly to him in all of these matters. This is their call to sanctification. And for a newbie Christian coming from a Gentile world, That is an important call for us to remember, and it's one that Christians need to remember in our own day, too, that we are people who are called to be increasing in this sanctification, increasing in holiness, because God has destined us for this. This is where we're headed. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Lent. We're headed toward that gospel reading in Matthew 15 after the break. You can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, 
crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for issues, etc., Lutheran Public Radio, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas. crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support issues, etc. crossweh.com slash LPR. How did God address the Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13 through 27. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His Office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. CUChicago.edu. Solid. Serious. Substantive. You're listening to Issues Etc. At the center of our campus is Kramer Chapel, and there's a reason for that. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Arthur Just. Because it is the heartbeat of Concordia Theological Seminary. It is where we go to hear the voice of Jesus and frequently be fed with the body and blood of Christ. We sometimes call it our Jerusalem. Kramer Chapel points to the classroom, which we sometimes call Athens. It is there that we do theology, biblical studies, systematic theology, practical theology, history. We love theology here, and we love the study of it, and we love coming together in worship. It's one of the things that gives us great joy, joy in worshiping, joy in studying theology, Concordia Theological Seminary is all about the joy of being in Jesus. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, ctsfw.edu. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. Well, we have that alternate epistle reading to look at, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Yeah, it's probably a stronger tie-in to the, the gospel for the day. So, Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice 
in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I mean, just absolutely golden words of St. Paul. I go back to James in a sense. I mean, James is a beautiful, wonderful epistle, but you're not going to find anything like the richness of those words in his writings. And that's really what Luther was saying. So justified by faith, the result of that, he says, is that you have peace with God. You know that God is at peace with you. He is not holding your sins against you because by faith you've laid hold on the propitiation, which is Jesus Christ upon his cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And so having that peace, um, you are then living in this gracious new life where you wait, hoping for the glory of God to appear, the glorious appearing of Jesus on the last day. And as you wait for that in faith, you have this weird experience where you begin to find joy and rejoice, even in the sufferings that come into your life. These, again, not self-chosen sufferings, but the sufferings God is pleased to bring upon you. And when those sufferings come, you realize, man, living through them, when I don't feel like God's on my side because the suffering that has come my way, and I learn to hold tight to his word in the midst of that suffering, that produces in me this endurance. We might call it a stick to of faith, that the faith grows stronger the more you hold tight to the word of God alone and, and say, yeah, no, I, I, how my feelings are right now does not matter. What matters is what God has promised me, and I'm not moving from that. And that then produces inside of you a godly character, which then has this great hope in God himself, and it's not a hope that's ever disappointed because you'll see that God will see you through. You stick with him. He's going to stick with you all the way through. And in the end, you're going to realize that God's love has been poured out. The love that God has for you has been poured into your heart and made evident to you through the Holy Spirit, whom God has so richly given to you. It is a beautiful tie-in to the gospel reading for the day. Before we get to that gospel, the tract is four verses of Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. Here again in the gradual, that plea for God to remember, to show his kindness and mercy again as you cling tight to his word, even when he seems to be in opposition to you. And he's definitely setting you up to hear the gospel reading for the day. That's Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Take us into that. Oh, 
And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So let me just note that. He's sort of outside the territory of Israel here. He's this furthest north that we have any record of him traveling in his ministry. Verse 22, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region, Luke calls her a Syrophoenician, came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So let's go back and sort of work our way through it. Like I said, he's out of the territory of Israel. So you wouldn't necessarily suspect that this woman who's coming to him and asking for his aid, would be a Jew. I remember once when Dr. Nagel was expounding on this, he said that the woman, by crying out to him as Lord, son of David, is like she's pretending to be a Jew, coming to him and begging for his mercy. And maybe that accounts for the way that he chose to treat her in this instance. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And wherever you see Jesus in the entirety of the Gospels, except for this story, he's like right away willing to come and help and do whatever he can, right? This is so out of character for him that he stays silent. He doesn't answer her a word. What do we call that? When you talk to somebody and they flat out, what do we say? They well, ignore. They ignore you. And does that hurt worse than if they insult you? If they just pretend like they didn't even hear you have it. And you got to be careful on this. I, I had a fun conversation about this this summer down at uh, Dominican Republic. My friend Jim Sharp, as James Sharp said that he once greeted me when he was teaching at Metro. And, you know, I didn't respond to him at all. I did this thing. I just, I ignored him. And I explained at the time to, uh, you know, I was explaining down the Dominican Republic, you know, if, if ever I don't answer you right away, please pardon me. I Many times I'm in my own head and I'm just not really aware of what's going on around me. My wife tells me I'm the most oblivious person God ever made. I just, I, I do not notice the things that are around me. And and James said, well, for years I've been wondering, what, what's up with Whedon? Why didn't he even greet me? I talked to him and he didn't even acknowledge that I was there. And I said, James, I don't remember it. And I can promise you, I didn't ignore you in the sense I didn't even hear you. I just, I mean, I, my mind wasn't even there. Well, it hurts when somebody does that to you. It hurts when somebody is ignoring you. And especially if, if, if you begin to suspect that they did hear you and that they're just intentionally not reacting to you. 
That's what Jesus does to this woman. And it befuddles his disciples who are like, Lord, you know, send her away. Does this mean when, when, they, when they said send her away, were they saying to Jesus, give her what she wants so that she'll shut up and stop making all this racket? It was getting embarrassing. They're walking down the road and she's making all this racket, crying out for mercy, mercy, mercy from him. And they wanted her to go away. If so, it's kind of interesting that if you think of it like the intercession of the saints, in this case, it doesn't seem to matter to Jesus. He simply responds and says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now that goes right to what Dr. Nagel observed about her trying to sneak in into being a Jew. And and Jesus' response was, I, I wasn't sent for you Gentiles. I was sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as he's answering his disciples on this, it gives the woman the opportunity to sneak around and get in front of him. And there she kneels. I mean, and now he's not going any further because she's planted herself in front of him. And she is absolutely insistent, Lord, help me. And his response to that, he's not going to be able to ignore her anymore. He didn't ignore his disciples. He ignored her at the beginning And then he didn't ignore his disciples, but now she's just begging, Lord, help me. He does respond to her. And look at what he says. Lady, it's not right. It would not be right for me to take the children's bread, that which belongs to the house of Israel, and to give it to the dogs, to a Gentile dog. Ouch. Ouch. But see the nature of faith. Faith which clings to the words of Jesus, will not let those words not be for you. So she hears this and she's like, you're going to call me a dog, are you? Fine, I'll be a dog. Give me a dog's due. Just give me the crumbs that fall from the table. The dogs get the children's crumbs, don't they? What a beautiful answer. I think one of his sermons, Luther said, man, if he'd have answered me like that, I would have walked away and would have thought, well, everything I've heard about him is wrong. He really doesn't care about people. And yet she doesn't. And so Jesus praises her faith. Great is your faith. In other words, great is your giveable to-ness. It didn't matter what I tossed your way, lady. You took it and received it and held on to it. I made you be a dog and you were happy to be a dog if you could only have the dog's due, the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus is so pleased with her. I mean, at this last verse, it's like his whole face changes. Can you see it as he's talking to her? It's like, woman, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you, just like you desire. And in that very instant, the demon is gone from her daughter. Can you imagine the agony that she had been through? Satan is filled with bitterness and hatred and violence and anger. And and that's her daughter's life. That's what it's been. And probably self-destruction too. And she didn't know what to do. She didn't know where else to turn. She had heard that he was there. She knew this is where I've got to come for help. And she would not let him not be for her. And Jesus praises that so much. Is it okay to give a few Luther quotes on that? He says, is not this masterly? She catches Christ by means of his own words. He compares her to a dog, which he admits. And she asks no more than he let her be like a dog as he himself judges. 
Where could he turn? He was caught. No dog is denied the breadcrumbs under the table. They're its rightful share. Therefore, he takes heed of her, and he submits to her will, so that she is no longer a dog, but has truly become a child of Israel. And this was written in order that we might be comforted and that it may be made manifest to us all how deeply God hides his grace from us and that we should not judge him according to our feelings and thinking about him, but in accordance with his word. For here you see that Christ, although he showed himself hard, pronounced no final judgment by saying no to her, But all his answers, although they sounded like no, are yet not no, but indefinite. Therewith is shown how our heart should stand firm in the midst of temptations. For as hard as we feel him, so Christ feigns to be. Our heart hears and understands nothing but no. And and yet it is not no. Therefore sweep your heart clean of such feelings and trust firmly in God's word. And grasp from above and underneath the no, the deeply hidden yes. And hold on to it as this woman did and keep a firm belief in God's justice. Then you have won and you have caught him in his own words. That is some mighty fine preaching. Your link to issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon, author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. These books are published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. We'll talk a little bit more about this gospel reading next. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org.
For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest, and he is leading us through the propers for this coming Sunday as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, Etc. This gospel reading is unexpected. It's poignant. It is, as you said, Jesus acting out of character. I remember hearing a preacher talk about this once saying, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing here. I believe this occurs when he's on his way to someone else's request, if I'm not mistaken. He knows exactly who she is and what she has been suffering. And that while it looks like she finds him, it's really the other way around. He finds her on this road so that he might not only cast out the demon, but this woman's faith now will be strengthened by the word of Christ. What great faith you have. Yeah, yeah. And and I think this picture of the woman as being outside of the people of Israel, and then by her faith in Jesus being brought into the people of Israel and made a beloved child is a beautiful picture for us of what Christ is getting ready to do for all of the Gentiles. This is in Jesus, all of us get to be the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Jesus, we have a shepherd who actually goes in search of all the lost sheep and he brings us home. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention that this gospel reading inspired one of the most beautiful pre-communion prayers ever to be composed, written by Cranmer in the Book of Common Prayer. It runs like this. It's called the Prayer of Humble Access. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We be not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. But thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood in these holy mysteries, that we may continually dwell in him, and he in us, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood. Amen. In other words, faith in Jesus is what brings you in and makes you worthy to receive the holy gifts which Jesus is preparing to give to all the children of the world. The people of Israel are going to be expanded to everybody who can come to God through Jesus. That's what he's preparing. What would you say about the hymns that are presented before us in the second Sunday in Lent? Yeah, you know, the hymn of the day that we heard at the beginning is really a beautiful hymn, When in the Hour of Deepest Need. And that's where that woman was. She was in her deepest need. She was at the end of a rope. She didn't know where else to turn. So listen to the words. When in the hour of deepest need, we know not where to look for aid. When days and nights of anxious thought, no help nor counsel yet have brought, then 
is our comfort this alone, that we may meet before your throne. To you, O faithful God, we cry for rescue in our misery. For you've promised, Lord, to heed your children's cries in time of need. Through him whose name alone is great, our Savior and our Advocate. And so we come, O God, today, and all our woes before you lay. For sorely tried, cast down we stand, perplexed by fears on every hand. Oh, from our sins, Lord, turn your face. Absolve us through your boundless grace. Be with us in our anguish still. Free us at last from every ill. So we, with all our hearts each day, to you our glad thanksgiving pay. Then walk obedient to your word. And now and ever, praise you, Lord. It sort of takes you with the woman through her experience to the end where she has received God's mercy and grace through Jesus Christ and then can return home rendering him thanks and praise forever. A beautiful thing. Another hymn that would be really appropriate on this day is uh, If God Himself Before Me, because this is the key. Is God for you or against you? When your emotions are telling you that you feel like he's abandoned you, when Satan is whispering in your ear, if he really loved you, he would not let any of this stuff be happening to you, then the importance of clinging to the words of Jesus and begging him to remember his mercy and to restore us and grant us his peace. It's a beautiful week for the people of God to remember in the battle, the battle against our own fears. We must hold tightly to the words of Jesus and not let anything go. Be like Jacob, be like a bulldog. Hold tight and say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. With about a minute here, someone listening to us says, well, I have been in the hour of my deepest need. My child perhaps suffered from cancer and then the child died. What am I to make of this gospel reading? That the one who set this woman's child free has also promised that your child will be raised on the last day, that he will indeed set them free from Satan who has the power of death and he will raise them up and you will see them again and you can be at peace in that. It's not that Jesus always chooses to heal in this life, but it is that he promises the gift of healing in the age to come for all. And we can trust in that and await our joyful reunion with those we love who have died, trusting in Jesus' word, holding tight to him. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, thanks. Thank you so much, Todd. When we return, it's our series Kids Have Questions. We'll discuss heaven, hell, reading the Bible, and church attendance with Pastor Jonathan Connor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. 
Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. What makes Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church in Freeburg, Illinois so special? Our new members talk about the family atmosphere, the welcoming people, and the outstanding music. But most importantly, you'll be confronted with your sin and comforted with the assurance that Jesus has removed that sin so that you can live each day as his baptized and forgiven child. Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church is at 612 North State Street in Freeburg, Illinois. Sunday worship is at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible classes at 1020 a.m. Call 618-539-5664. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.